This series is brought to you by Whirlpool, a brand that's been committed to help in the cycle of chronic absenteeism in schools for nearly a decade. Think back to what it was like when you were in school. You're all sitting in the same classroom. You're sitting together at lunch, recess, or gym class. There's all this close contact through the day. It's just this constant environment where you're around other kids. So for a kid to come to school and not have clean clothes, they're embarrassed. And it will happen. Kids will tease. Some kids will bully. The net result is just a terrible place to be. Why would I want to come to school? Because you really have to think about that social aspect of school. Welcome back to Breaking the Cycle, a special three-part series where we're exploring the complex issue of chronic absenteeism in schools. I'm your host, clinical psychologist and parent educator, Dr. Jasmine McCoy. Today, we're talking about how chronic absenteeism can affect a student's social-emotional learning experience and mental health, and the signs you should look for in your own child. Throughout my training and research as a clinical psychologist, I've had the opportunity to counsel children in so many different capacities. I've worked with preschoolers who were in a program for low-income families called Head Start, I've counseled teens detained inside juvenile justice centers, and I've researched attachment and trauma in former foster youth and their young children. I'll never forget how much these young mothers had to go through just to be able to participate, from finding transportation to making sure their children had enough clean clothes and food. It's easy to take having all of our basic needs for granted, and ultimately a lack of access to these resources can quickly get in the way of taking care of ourselves and parenting our children. There's also research that says children who grow up in impoverished families are at a higher risk of experiencing issues managing stress. A lack of access to fundamental basic resources, like clean clothes, impacts children in profound ways. So in this episode, we'll reconnect with two key facilitators of the Whirlpool Care Counts Laundry Program. We'll talk to Mackenzie Roney, the Managing Director for Corporate Partnerships at Teach for America, and Dr. Richard Rendy, the Developmental Science Psychologist and Researcher, to discuss the connection between mental health and absenteeism. Let's get into it. In 1943, the Psychological Review Journal introduced a concept known as Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It listed the five core needs we all have as human beings, physiological, safety and security, love and belonging, self-esteem, and self-actualization. So I want you to imagine a pyramid where basic needs are at the bottom with self-actualization being at the very top. Essentially, this concept of hierarchy of needs helps us understand that lower level needs like clean clothes, food, and safety must be met in order for higher level needs like self-actualization to be fulfilled. Now, Dr. Randy, tell me, When students don't have their basic needs met, how does this impact their attendance in school? In terms of the program, the real focus is on kids who are at risk for chronic absenteeism and also have this parallel situation where they lack consistent access to clean clothes. Big picture reasons why kids become chronically absent. An example there would be like transportation issues. It's not that you don't want to be there, you just can't get there. It can be chronic and really interfere with attendance. Illness is another factor. But the one that stood out for me in terms of the program is kids who don't want to be in school. This is kind of what you can think of as school refusal. So what it comes down to for these kids who don't want to come to school, 
there are things that are going on in school that are just so unpleasant or upsetting. For a kid who's struggling to read, there's just an inherent frustration. There's one thing to take on a challenge, it's another thing to take on a struggle. It becomes a very frustrating experience for a kid where they can lose their motivation. And that's one of the huge things, right? That you are sitting there and you see other kids are doing it and you're not. And you can start to feel bad about yourself. You can start to think that you're not smart. You can start to think that I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. As opposed to kids who are reading and it's opening up this whole world to them of like, this is so fun. I read this book that I like. There's a pride factor. They feel good when they accomplish something. But I think more than anything, you would hope that kids are learning not just to do things, but to enjoy things. Yes, absolutely. Mackenzie, as a former teacher, how important is it for kids to feel confident in school? If we think back to when we were 10 and 11, that's really important. We care what our fellow students are thinking about us. And there's a lot at play in young students' minds. And as much as we want it to be, it is not just focused on writing this perfect essay or being able to complete this math equation. There's just a lot going on. Right. It's only natural that a kid who's struggling to learn something in school would want to stop showing up. I mean, we all feel that way sometimes. Learning is such an important part of being a person. You learn throughout your lifetime. And they've sort of gotten this message that they're not a learner or they've developed the self-conception that, well, I'm not somebody who's going to do more than I'm doing right now. And I think beyond the practical impact academically that when you drop out of high school, you've, you've truncated your opportunity to do a lot of things, whether it's go to college or go to a trade school or whatever it is, I'm really becoming more and more focused myself on this idea of how do you overcome that if you don't think of yourself as a learner? How do you overcome that if you think that every time you're going to be put in a situation that you're required to learn something new, you're not going to be able to do it? Or you think it's useless or it's a waste of time? So I think academically, the big marker is school dropout. One phrase that I always come back to in my head came from that Department of Education report in 2015, where they say, dropout shapes a child's future. And I think that's a really sobering thought. What you're speaking to so well is, in psychology, we call it the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. The idea being that kids who are chronically absent come to have that more fixed mindset, right? It's not safe to try new things. It's not safe to make mistakes. And if I make a mistake, that means I'm not good enough inside and I'm inherently unworthy. It's better to play it safe. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into how this mindset can snowball into self-esteem issues and anxiety disorders. As part of the Whirlpool Care Counts Laundry Program, they're installing laundry machines in schools nationwide to help increase student attendance. Over the last decade, they've installed washers and dryers in more than 150 schools across 40 states. And according to year-over-year program data, nearly 61% of participating high-risk students were no longer at risk for chronic absenteeism at the end of the 2022 through 2023 school year. Next on the to-do list, expand the Whirlpool Care Counts Laundry Program to all 50 states and double the number of students impacted by 2028. Learn more at whirlpool.com slash care counts. 
That's whirlpool.com slash care dash counts for more info. Welcome back to Breaking the Cycle. Dr. Rendy, tell me what happens to a student's overall mindset when they start to miss school on a regular basis? When you miss school, you fall behind in classes. And now you don't even have that sort of, well, at least I'm doing okay in school. Everything about being in school is stressful. Now I'm behind. Now I can't follow what's going on in class. I don't want to be around all my friends, all these other kids, and I don't feel good about myself. And in your experience, Mackenzie, what were some of the signs that their behavior was changing? I think about students who would sometimes have to come to school in what were clearly dirty clothes. There were a lot of behaviors in class that were not normally aligned to how they would normally act in class. They were trying to shrink. They were trying to hide. They didn't want to bring attention to themselves, which meant they're not raising their hand to answer questions when they normally would. Absolutely. And that ties well to how much shame can impact learning and how kids show up socially, academically, and emotionally. And I resonate with how you said they shrink themselves. They're trying to basically become invisible. Dr. Rindy, can you elaborate on what role schools play in a student's social and emotional development? It's a social environment. You can almost think of it as a workplace in some sense, that they all go there with some common mission. They all have to learn to coordinate their behaviors with other people. There's a lot of life skills that you have to learn there, how to take turns, how to raise your hand. When's it okay to not raise your hand? How do you all not interfere with each other when someone else is trying? And that social element, it's amplified when you think about kids who don't have access to clean clothes. There's a dynamic that happens in the classroom for a classroom to be well-functioning or not well-functioning. You don't need distractions. You need kids who are age-appropriate in terms of their social abilities. And school can be such a powerful context for kids' emotions. Your day is filled with tasks and things to do. And this is why, you know, I, as an adult, I kind of think about it a bit as a workplace. If you're in your workplace, you want to feel like you can work well with all the people around you. You want to feel like you have your opportunity to do what you do well, that what you do is respected. You want to feel like you're competent. You want to feel like what you're being asked to do isn't more than you can do. Yes, that's so true. I love how you frame this and use the workplace as an example. You know, just as us adults want to feel confident, competent, and safe in the workplace, the same is true for children at school. And, you know, when we zoom out and look at school holistically, it's about so much more than just academics. Socializing plays such a huge role in children's overall school experience. So whether it's due to a lack of access to clean clothes, like you mentioned before, or other reasons, what happens to students who may develop these social skills at a different rate than their peers? I'm sure you've seen kids who go through these different stages. You start to not feel so good about yourself. You start to develop fears. Some of those fears can snowball into anxiety disorders. You start to lose confidence. It starts to spill over when you should be thinking about the math problem, you're thinking about the social problem. You start to lose your drive to learn. You can become shy with other kids that you're friends with. You can start to become more guarded in forming friendships. 
I mean, I think there's just a whole constellation of things that accumulate over time, which again leads to this shutdown of, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be doing this. The whole broad spectrum of it, not just I want to avoid the bullying, it's just I don't want to be in this place, which is devastating to think about for a kid. Yeah, and I think too, at its core, bullying challenges kids' belief of safety. And that core belief and that worldview of, oh, the world is safe. I can trust people. <laughs> I can open up. I can be myself. I can get to know other people and trust them. When kids are bullied, that's shattered in a lot of ways. And then they come to view school as, well, this is not a safe place to be. I'd rather be at home or anywhere else but here. So how has the Whirlpool Care Counts Laundry Program helped students feel safer at school? Everyone talks about how invaluable the Whirlpool Program is. And they talk about how essential it is. They talk about how the kids are doing so much better. They're coming to school more. They're more confident in the classroom. They're doing their schoolwork. They're bolder in the classroom. They'll ask a question. They'll volunteer to do something. They get interested in something, they want to pursue it, they become sort of active learners, and they're happy, and they're feeling good hanging out with other kids, they feel like other kids. But the thing that stands out to me is what's happening when these professionals are talking to me, because they literally use the word joy, their joy. And it really sticks out to me how much they love being able to take care of kids, not just teach them, not just see them progress academically. To them, their joy is to say, I can have an impact on this kid's life. I can do something that's going to make this, this kid feel better about themselves, feel happier. I mean, their faces light up. They say, this is such a joy that we can do this. I love that you use that word. This program not only makes school feel like a safer place, but a joyful one as well. And that is so important. It reminds me of those teachers when I was growing up that took that kind of interest in me and how that felt as a kid when you have a, a teacher that whatever's happening in your life takes that interest in you and just cares about you. You just realize how much all these folks are, are in this profession because they love kids and they want to take care of kids and really they're students. It's very clear to me in these conversations that the laundry program is helping them do that for the kids who, who are in need of it. It's really incredible to hear these stories of teachers and schools being so committed to their students, especially in the schools where the kids really need it the most. So now that we know the mental health risks of chronic absenteeism, let's talk through some of the signs that can help us identify if a child is struggling in school or at risk of dropping out. One sign is a lack of enthusiasm or resistance to even go. I know what you're thinking. Don't most kids want to skip school, especially after long breaks like summer or the holidays? But it's more about a shift in their behavior or overall attitude towards school. Are they suddenly uninterested in going to a specific class, participating in recess, eating lunch in the cafeteria, or even just talking about school at all? That's usually when you can tell something is off. Another red flag is if they start to complain about physical symptoms like issues with sleeping, eating, or body pain. It's common, especially for young children, to complain of physical issues when they're experiencing stress or anxiety. Many times kids, and even some adults, 
don't have the emotional vocabulary and or internal awareness to understand that their physical experience is associated with their overall emotional well-being. And the last sign I'd keep an eye out for is if they start to misbehave in school. Sometimes children unconsciously lash out in order to distract from their academic issues or insecurities about not having enough resources like clean clothes. Their anxiety and shame can prevent them from finding the right words to describe their struggle and ask for help. So what can you do if you're noticing these symptoms? First, pause and focus on trying to understand what's going on at school from your child's perspective. Lead with connections so they feel comfortable to come to you with their problems. Kids don't want to disappoint us. It's incredibly scary for them to be vulnerable and open up about their negative thoughts and experiences. It's important to remember we have to create a safe environment if we want our child to open up to us. So practice what we call in psychology, reflective listening. It's like putting a mirror to what they're saying by simply repeating back what you hear without changing the meaning or asking a question. Another way to create a safe environment is to focus on quality time. Spend time doing whatever it is they wanna do so that you can create opportunities for them to open up to you. And with time, they will. And when they do, listen. I know it's hard, but try not to rush to problem solve when they present you with their issues. Remember, it's incredibly healing for your child to feel heard. Next, I'd suggest setting up bi-monthly or monthly meetings with their teacher so you can collaborate on solutions. You're not in this alone. And who better to be your partner than the person who sees your child almost as much as you do? They should be willing to work with you on finding productive solutions because it'll make their job easier too. Plus, this is one of the best ways for you to advocate for your child and help give them a voice. You never know, their teacher might have insight into an initiative like the Whirlpool Care Counts Laundry Program that will help your child and your family. Finally, if you feel like you're not seeing progress or you believe your child's mental health is getting worse, I'd advise seeking professional help. You can request a psychological assessment at your child's school so that a professional can examine their cognitive, emotional, and social development. Your child's pediatrician is also a valuable resource. Whether they're complaining of stomach issues, insomnia, or headaches, it's important to talk to a physician about what your child has told you they're experiencing. The more they know they can trust you to listen and act in their best interest, the greater a chance they have to succeed in all aspects of their life. But don't forget to take care of yourself too and ask for help when you need it. Lead by example. This has been Breaking the Cycle. Join us next week for our final episode where we'll discuss how chronic absenteeism can have a lasting impact on a student's educational growth and how the Whirlpool Care Counts Laundry Program has helped kids stay in school. This miniseries was skimmed by me, Dr. Jasmine McCoy, along with our producers, Monica Perry and Lizzie Bryce and scriptwriter Sarah Title, created in partnership with Jenny Media. 